So I was talking to somebody recently who was asking me, Father, you know, what should I do with my life? I have uh, these big discernment questions. You know, what does the Lord want of me? Where is the Lord calling me to go? And so we got talking about different options and different things and what, what was on her heart and what she had felt uh, the, the Lord say to her at, at certain points in her life. And as we, we spoke about on two or three occasions, uh, you'd hear the phone buzz and she'd just pull out the phone and have a quick look and then pop it back or have a quick look and then be scanned, and then a quick like or a quick thumbs up or whatever it was and back in. Uh, and the, the, the question or the issue then of, of silence came up. I mean, I said, how... How do you find silence? I said, oh, no, 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 no. Don't like, don't like the silence at all. Don't like the silence. Why not? Uh, it's just, whenever there's silence, I kind of feel out of control because when I decide what's in my hand, when I decide what I'm looking at, I'm in control. Whereas when there's, when there's silence, then, then thoughts come or then I can maybe hear God more and maybe I hear what I don't want to hear. So do you want to know what God wants for you? So you, I mean, we started this conversation talking about, I want to know what God wants for my life. Do you really? And it was the first time that she'd kind of maybe recognize, maybe, maybe I don't. <laughs> maybe I don't want to know what God wants for my life because it might be a plan that's different to mine or it might, it might be something that I'm not expecting. If I listen, if I hear what God is saying, now the ball is back in my court. How do I respond to that? Do I want to know God's will for my life? Do I want to know his will? Do I want to know his plan? Today, like we heard about Elijah. Elijah was in our, our uh, first reading and our gospel. Now, Elijah lived 900 years before Jesus. 900 years. And at a time when there was an awful lot of idolatry in Israel, an awful lot of uh, apostasy, huge, huge problems. Also from, from, the, from the top down, from the, the kings who had... Uh, fallen into idolatry, and now Elijah's one of the few holding on to the true faith. He felt very alone on numerous occasions. His life was in danger on numerous occasions. So we can imagine, or maybe you, can, maybe you can't, maybe you can't imagine what it's like to, to be like the, the only one, like, like a, a St. Athanasius or someone, the, one of the very, very few holding on to the true faith at a time of crisis in the church. So how did the Lord speak to him? Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice in a breeze. And then Elijah covers his face with reverence for God and re-enters the cave. The Lord speaks to him in the silence, not in these dramatic signs, in these dramatic manifestations, but in the silence, in the silence of our own hearts. And that can be, that can be a, a terrifying place to go. It's something we've mentioned here a few times, but it's often what can happen to us here in Holy Family when we have a more regular prayer life and a more regular like holy hour time of silence that then our own memories, our own thoughts, and God's voice 
start to, to come to the surface. And, and now we're left with, with this to, to, to deal with. How on earth do we manage all of that? How do we manage you know, dealing with our own thoughts, our own memories, our own hurts, our own wounds, and then you know, God nudging us one direction or trying to con- uh, coax us or convince us or invite us to go another direction? It can begin to feel, you can begin to feel a small bit out of control because you know, in, in the noise and in the distraction, I am in control. You're in control, but you might be going the wrong direction, which means every day that passes and every step you take, you might be going the wrong way. So it's so, so important, especially in this time of Advent, to get back to, to this time of waiting and listening, this time of waiting and listening, this time of faith. We need silence in order to hear the Lord. We need silence. And our, our modern world is, is not good at silence. I think before uh, anybody, even, even, even my age, I remember back in the, in the 90s, if you had to wait at a bus stop, what used you do? Well, you'd stand there, and if another passenger, another future passenger, were to st- come into the bus stop, you would engage in what's known as conversation. Well, how's things? Where are you going today? You know, uh, just you'd I need to see the match over the weekend. You know, like you'd have conversation. Whereas now, at a bus stop, dead silence, and everyone is just there. You know, and we can choose our distractions. You can catch up on a Netflix series. You can binge watch. What do you watch? I don't know. What do you watch these days? <laughs> Whatever. What's, what's the big TV program these days? Oh, the only ones that come to mind now are all these awful big brothery type ones. Love Island. Don't watch that. Rubbish. Um, but people can just binge watch these things even on a bus. So there's no conversation, right? Because you're fully in control of your distractions. Fully in control. I can distract myself as often as I want, as much as I want. I, mean, I know a person who he's worked so hard all day and they'd, they'd work very long hours and then in the evening just to kind of calm down to slow down their mind they'd watch movies and then, but then they'd be wrecked tired going to bed later than, than planned or later than wanted then barely getting up on time or getting up slightly late or missing the first thing in the program and then trying to spend the day catching up and then the same thing work so hard work so late that at night you're just watching uh, half a movie or something again just to slow things down no silence no silence and without silence we will not hear God we will not. We learned this from Elijah 2,900 years ago. We won't hear him. Then the second part of, 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 of this is, okay, hearing him is one thing. But I think we always presume if I knew what God wanted or if I could hear God, that would be great. Then I would just do it and all would be fine. Would you though? If you could hear the Lord's voice clearly, would you do what he's asking you to do? That step is a little more complicated than we might think because the Lord often asks us to step into the unknown, which again makes us feel out of control. You think of the season of Advent now. Our Lady, St. Joseph, making their way towards Bethlehem. Not their, not their hometown. And Our Lady heavily pregnant, and when they get there, there's no normal, worthy accommodation. There is no maternity hospital. Right? So they go to a shed. And Jesus is born. And we, we call it a manger. It's a lovely word. Manger. Right? It sounds all wonderful. It was a trough. Or a truck, if you're a culture. Right? Right? That's what, that's what he was born into. Right? 
This is, this is not jo St. Joseph in control of what's happening here. This is a bit of a mess, really. But this is how God the Father had arranged things. Okay, child is born. All good, beautiful and joyful, little baby Jesus, the whole lot. And then St. Joseph receives this, this dream, this, this awful, awful uh, prophecy. The angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child, child to destroy him. Right, this beautiful little treasure, such a perfect, beautiful, innocent little life. And now the most powerful man in that part of the world wants to kill him. And St. Joseph wasn't a warrior or wasn't, you know, didn't have an army to back him up. He's just a carpenter. Now they flee to a foreign country, which incidentally was about 690 kilometers from where they were. So Mary has just given birth, and off they go on a donkey, traveling about 20-ish kilometers a day maybe. That's over 35 days of traveling from Bethlehem down to Egypt. Incidentally, Jews weren't really liked in Egypt. You might remember the crossing of the Red Sea, you know, the, 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 the Jews, the Hebrews fleeing from the Egyptians and the Red Sea closing in on the Egyptians and many Egyptians dying there. So the Jews weren't exactly viewed favorably back in little old Egypt. So traveling down to this foreign country. Why? I mean, surely if God, if God is God, if the Father is God, surely he can come up with a better solution. Just give Herod a blast of fever or Ebola or something, you know, and voila. Herod's gone, problem solved. But no, no, no. He asks Mary and Joseph and little baby Jesus to travel in faith, believing in the Lord's promise. So step one is hearing the Lord in the silence. But step two is having the, the humility to obey. And that's, that's a different story altogether. It's something that, I, again, we discover here in Holy Family a lot, that often it's, it, it's late in year one, sometimes in year two, maybe even afterwards, <coughs> that we're ready to hear what God wants. And that in year one, maybe we weren't ready to hear it at all because we just did not want to let go of our own securities. We didn't want to let go of our own distractions. So that's, that's step one, creating the silence that we can actually hear. Step two is having the humility to actually obey, to actually walk. And then step three is in this, this time of walking, in this time of, of the, maybe even the desert, this time of aridity, to persevere and believe in God's promise to persevere because hearing the Lord's will great doing the Lord's will in humility or at least deciding to this is okay this is what I want to do great but the results the fruit isn't immediate you know it's not like I decide to do God's will and you know within two months I'm ordained within two months you're married and you know it, it doesn't work like that you, we, we discern God's will, we discern God's plan, great. And now we have to walk in faith and in perseverance until that, 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 that promise is realized. But what a beautiful journey it is. Walking in faith. We get to walk with the Lord and we get to, to wait with this joyful, expectant hope that the Lord's promise will be made visible. I will not leave you orphans, says the Lord. I will be with you always, yes, to the end of time. So we are never alone. 
So in, in this journey, in this journey, walking with the Lord, this journey to Egypt, if you will, uh, we're, we're learning that the journey is formative. We're learning perseverance. We're learning prayer. We're learning patience. We're learning faith. We're growing in, in, in steadfastness, in regularity in our prayer lives because we need the Lord's guidance. So in all of these steps, like we, we, we're learning to rely on the Lord. That's a life lesson. That's just, it's a great way to be formed. It's not exactly easy. But my goodness, it, it's a good school. It really it, it forms us for life. It forms us to lean on the Lord in all things. So in the silence, we need him. In order to have the necessary humility to obey, we need him. In order to have the perseverance to believe in, in the realization of his promise, we need him. We need him at all stages. There's no stage where, Lord, I've got this bit. I'll take care of this bit. I'll give you a shout whenever I'm in trouble. There is no stage in our lives when we are entirely autonomous and, and, and have all things together. No. At all stages, we need him. That's the way he wants it to be. He wants us to walk with and then we can walk in trust. We can walk with peace in our hearts. Lord, I'm not quite sure what's going on now. I don't even maybe necessarily agree with what's going on right now. But I trust you. I trust you. And I trust that this will all work out. I trust that you have a plan. So whatever responsibility, whatever power I have today, I give it to you that you can use for the best, that you can direct it. So this time of Advent, is, it's, it's a wonderful time to reflect on, on silence, on waiting for the Lord. Wonderful time to reflect on humility and obedience to the Lord. A great time to reflect on perseverance for the realization of God's promise. And this will happen. We have our reading from, was it yesterday or the day before? Yep, the day before, Thursday. I, the Lord your God, I am holding you by the right hand, and I tell you, do not be afraid. I will help you. I will help you. The words of the Lord to us through the prophet Isaiah. So we ask the Lord to guide us in this season of Advent. We ask him to guide us into a time of silence and reflection so we can hear him to grant us the humility to obey and then to walk with us that we might persevere until the realization of his promise amen dear brothers and sisters thank you so much for joining us uh, for these homilies on the internet wherever you are watching us uh, it's a great honor and privilege that you would join us uh, on such a regular basis to share in our life here in Holy Family Mission. We're now eight years on the go and we've had the privilege of welcoming over 90 young people to take part in our year-long faith formation program. Uh, and all of that is possible due to your donations, your support, your help and your prayers. So we're greatly, greatly appreciative of all that has been done here, uh, also through your support and your efforts. Uh, this is our fundraising Christmas appeal time of the year as well. So if any of you can or would like to support us, uh, we would be delighted if you could do so. We, maybe I shouldn't be saying all of this, but we uh, charge our young people €4,000 a year to be here. It costs in our around €10,000. We subsidise the price then by running retreats here and by fundraising. That's how, that's how we, we work. So uh, thank you so much for all <coughs> that you can do 
to further the mission of Holy Family Mission, that we can continue to renew, reinvigorate and revive the faith here in this country and indeed abroad. God bless you.